Hello, folks. This is Princess. You are listening to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share with your friends. It's tough. We're in a very tough spot. I think that what we're doing right now is of great benefit and virtue because it's an end around between this whole corrupt informational system, media system. We claim to believe in a God who spoke the universe into existence and literally raised himself from the dead. And yet we are not going to believe that anything else exists in the spirit realm, even though his word tells us that they do. Their bodies weren't permitted to go to sleep like humans do. And they weren't permitted to go to heaven. So they wander the earth. You know, I've seen the eyes turn black to unknown tongues being spoken. These giants would live way up in the island. The young graves, the young men would hide up in the trees and wait for one of these 12 footers to come walking down the path and they would jump on them and kill them, drag them back to the village and the village would feast on the body. Then people start to get weapons, they start to get armor, they start to build cities, they start to fortify their cities. Now, God looks down and there's violence everywhere. The battle, this war that we are at, is not against each other. It's against these principalities and these rulers and these archons in the high places. It's really worthwhile to read the Bible yourself. Fear is one of the primary drivers of mind control. Because we have to take every thought captive and resist fear. You're going to have a testimony that is a justice case against the kingdom of darkness. Welcome back to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Thank you for being here. I have an excellent episode in store for you guys. I have Tim Moon here, the author of Tomato Fields. Tim's a cryptozoonovelist with a passion for writing fiction, mystery. He likes scary monsters, history, and philosophy. On this awesome conversation with Tim, we talk a little bit about his book, his testimony, everything that God has helped Tim overcome throughout this journey, this process, and where he's at in life. It's really, it's such a beautiful story, you guys. In Tim's own words, he sent me a message and just said, man, there was so much flow and connection in our conversation. He was really happy to have been here on the podcast, just as happy as I was to have him. He's working on a part two, a sequel to Tomato Fields, which has excellent reviews at this point in time. It's very well received among the community of people who are willing to think outside of the box a little bit and just take a different approach to what some of these cryptids might be. Now, in Tim's own words, he said to me when we got off air, and this is what was really solid for me, he said, I felt so good about getting certain things off my chest. There's parts of his testimony and about the power of God and how Tim emptied himself. We just dived into his story and he was expressing to me how rewarding and how much better it felt for him to get everything off his chest and just put it out there. For me, hearing that, it was so powerful because it just reminds me of the ripple effect, you know, having a podcast, capturing our own journey, and then taking the time to hear other people out and see what they went through, see how God has worked in their life. It really is edifying, it's encouraging. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And go check out Tim's book. Go to Amazon. It's called Tomato Fields. Very well written. (laughs) I'll leave the suspense. If you guys haven't heard about Tomato Fields yet, go check it out for yourself. Go read the description. Look at the reviews. They're there for everybody to see. I want to do some real quick maintenance. Please like, subscribe, and share the podcast. That's the best way you guys can help me grow the show. And don't forget to check the show notes on every single episode. If you guys have it in your heart, you want to sow a seed back into this ministry, you can always do that by supporting us through prayer, through donations, or just reaching out and saying, hey, is there anything I can help with the show? Help get things produced, help promote it, or be a part of it. Come on the show and let's get you interviewed so you can share your testimony with the rest of the listening world. And with all that being said, I am ready to dive into this episode. 
Are you guys ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I have the one and only Tim Moon here, who is the author of a popular book, Tomato Fields. Tim, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you here. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. So it's your first time here with us, and I'm really excited for you to tell us your testimony, and then we'll dive into a little bit of your book here. So do you want to start off just kind of jumping into telling us how you became the Tim Moon you are today? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know how, how to answer that. Um, <laughs> I uh, I have gone through quite a bit in my life. I um, yeah. Uh, are you talking more from my beliefs in Bigfoot, and or are you talking more from my maybe religious beliefs? Or so I mean, I have heard you talk a little bit about you know, kind of like growing up in a haunted house and like just some different things that you've dealt with. Yeah. Do you want to kind of start off just telling us what you believe and what led you into writing the book and then a couple experiences that um, have happened over the course of your life? Yeah, easy enough. I have changed a lot over the years. I, I was what you would call born again in college. I'm long past college and I went through several experiences and I'm consider myself kind of a Christian mystic now. A lot of the stuff just didn't fit, didn't work for me. And uh, I have come to believe that we are in God. We are in Christ. (laughs) He is not somewhere else. We're somewhere else. We're all in him and all things are held together in him. And I believe that that involves the entire known universe and the unknown universe and it's it's um uh, because i believe that and i know that uh all things are in christ and all things he uses all a lot in 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 the bible and um that he is more powerful than any other force that exists and that he's holding us together and i believe redemption was for the entire universe not just for an earth-centered group of people on the earth. Um, and so I see it in a much more comprehensive, big picture, mystical way in, in a oneness in God, in Christ. And that we can have that all the time and not when I hear the reference getting close to God, I always think, well, how can you not be close to God? He's everywhere and you're somewhere. You have to be next to him. The point is, that they're not consciously close to God <laughs> because in their mind, they're focusing their security and attention on things that are, uh, they're not separating them from God. They're just not allowing them to be conscious of God. They're not allowing them to focus on God. But when you, but that doesn't mean you're not close to God. You're always close to God. He's everywhere. And it's just, so I see it more as we just need to be consciously aware of his presence and typically we're not when we're focusing on other things to get security or or because we're afraid or because we're angry. And those things then draw our attention away from God and focus it on something else. But we're not separated from God. We're just, our focus is separated from God. Uh, I believe I, uh, most Christianity in the world is not Protestant. It's Catholic or Orthodox. And of those, I think Orthodox is probably closer to the truth. At least they restore the mystery of the faith a little bit better than than Catholicism does. Not that I have anything against Catholicism. Some of the finest people I know are Catholic. And some of my best friends are Protestant. But I'm probably a little more leaning toward the Orthodox without accepting everything carte blanche, because I don't do that anymore. Absolutely. Okay, I believe that Christ is a mystery, that the Trinity yeah. is a mystery. If you think you can explain the Trinity, yeah, good luck. Okay? <laughs> it's a mystery, and there's a, there's, there is a connection. There, the, the East and the West, the East focuses on du, a non-duality. 
is a belief that all reality is 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 connected and it's and it's and it and it has its source in some kind of universal uh, divine power and the west breaks everything up into this and that and here and there and yeah. it divides everything logically and we define everything and when you define something you not only uh, amplify it a little bit you also limit it so um, I believe the two have to come together <laughs> for people to have proper <laughs> spirituality and proper understanding of God. And it's they, they're not designed to be fighting and only religions fight over things. And it's typically ego driven. People are created in the image of God. Everybody is. These are precious people. They're created in his image. They are his divine image. And we need to love each other, and, and, and that's not that means everybody just needs to love each other and get over their power struggles. That's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm not one religion anymore, so and I just try to do my best to love my neighbor. I mean, I'm getting hit with the scripture where you're talking about where could we go that God's not? You can't. I, I think it, I want to say it's David, and doesn't he say, where can I go and not find your presence? He's like, I can go all the way down to Sheol or down to the underworld. There you are. People need to hear this. I'm so happy we're having this conversation. When people say, oh, I'm, I'm growing closer with God. It's like, no, you may be adjusting your focus. You may yeah, be trying to, yeah. we have to be willing to accept what God has already done. He's the beginning, the end, he's the right now, he's the future, right? And it's like a lot of the times we like to take these little snippets and give some focus and then say, oh, God is good, or he's doing this or that, or acknowledge him. But then 90% of the time, we're just, you know, my God, my belly, what I want, right? And we see yeah, that a we, lot in, in the culture today. spiritualize it. Spiritualize yes, exactly. our egos and we decorate them and we put on yeah. a show for people. And it is, it is not putting our focus on God. And when you when they say you're separated from God, you're not separated from God. Okay? Mm -hmm. You your your focus is separated from God because you are alienated and hostile in mind. <laughs> and you can be a born again Christian and be alienated and hostile because your focus yes. is not on your need and dependency on him. It is on you. I didn't mean I don't mean to preach. We're seeing a new side of Tim here. <laughs> I want to kind of walk into from here. Let's talk a little bit about your book. Well, Tell us about the book you wrote, Tomato Fields. What, well, I've been I've been studying this and fascinated by this since um, I was a kid, and I and I saw the movie, The Legend of B Boggy Creek, and that's a classic now. It's almost a cult film, but it's really it was a low budget movie that that just captivated my uh, understanding of Bigfoot or my awareness. And I, for some reason, just always felt there probably is truth to this. This thing probably does exist. And it just was in the back of my mind for much of my life. But in the last 20 years, I started really looking into it and really doing the research more as a historian, because I'm a historian by trade, and listened to thousands of stories. And just, I can't get enough list of the stories <laughs> on it. and. Uh, I started to think uh, that maybe if you could use fiction properly, that you could have a bigger impact on drawing people to this mystery uh, than you can with facts. Because you can use nonfiction and have all the facts and all the details. And I think people just turn that off sometimes, but they're motivated by stories. Stories sell and facts tell. And but stories go down a little deeper if you can develop the right characters and you can you can have the right amount of of, of uh, drama and tension. Uh, you can maybe draw people into characters who they might believe, even though they may not have believed a book by a biologist who took took you know pictures and had some hair samples. People just blow that off. I found, in my opinion, what I saw, people were just blowing that off. And so I was just hoping that maybe someone could write a fiction that would captivate people and catch them and draw them in. So that's what I'm trying to do. I can't guarantee you that I've done it, but I'm trying. I think that someone is you. <laughs> I, hope, I, I'm, I hope so. I'd like to write a couple more. 
I think it's really interesting that, you know, taking the approach of trying to get people emotionally yeah. interested in the topic. Yeah. I mean, I had Brian Goddard on a few years ago and just, we talked about the power of storytelling. Yes. Right. And we see how Hollywood will use these half truths to entertain people. And it's always from, <laughs> it's not a fully truthful perspective, but yet they'll get people familiar with these ideas almost to systematically desensitize them to what the truth is. But when we take the approach and get people emotionally involved and interested in these topics, very, very smart move. I must say, very smart. Well, I'm hoping it'll work. I think that stories are important and we're really made to tell stories. Most history has been passed on through telling stories. Now, I just want to I want to do this mention real quick because we were laughing about this a few minutes ago off air. Um, you're a crypto zoo novelist. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I made that up after listening to someone else. Funny, played on words with cryptozoology, so I thought, well, let me think if I can do that. So I made, I, I did that. I think it's kind of it's, cool, but it sounds like you like Absolutely it. epic. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an attention grabber. Uh, you look at the word, and it's like you think it's something that you may have seen before, so you get it, read it, and try to pronounce it, and you're like, whoa. It's like, so really throws you off that first time. I have it on Instagram and Twitter. And so you're a history buff. Yeah, I, now, I teach history. So I do administration too. And so it, various types of jobs I do. You're Austin, on the West Coast? Austin, Austin Texas. Okay, in Austin, I Texas. Up, I grew up in Washington and my my brother lives in Washington and that's where he had his encounter. He still lived in that house. The house is the house in the book. Your childhood home was where? Was what state in, was that? In Seattle in the magnolia area now i've heard you talk a little bit about some strange things that happened growing up fill me in the audience and when we were little kids from the time i was in about first grade till i was in about seventh grade we lived in a house really nice house we loved it um, great memories um, but we we think there was a ghost in that house and uh, different things would happen. Joe, my brother, actually s seen it once, walking, following my dad into the bathroom. He could see it in clothes, but it was also see-through. It looked like a little boy. It was the image of a little boy, but it was see-through. And then he followed my dad into the bathroom, and he, so Joe ran into the bathroom to see who this was following his dad, and there was nothing there. And uh, there were many other experiences where my grandma experienced something scratching under her bed and she got really scared eventually and left left the house got a taxi and went to a hotel and there was a time when a, a, a mantelpiece lifted off the mantel above the fireplace and lifted out into the a, a ways and then dropped to the ground and shattered and then there was some time i heard it doing things and there was other times other people heard it doing things and my mom had seen enough things they got out a, a Ouija board, and before I say this, I just want you to know I do not endorse that. <laughs> but I was only like eight, and I knew nothing about Ouija boards. Now I do not endorse those. I, I would avoid them if, if I was you. But she did it, and she found out the, the initials that she thought of this, this spirit. And uh, I remember watching it. It was pretty strange. And, and then she apparently went downtown and checked it out and found out that a little boy had died in the house. We just came to realize that it was there, kind of part of the family, and we just accepted it and took it for granted. And if we heard something, kind of knew what it was. But it never was malevolent, huh. uh, aside from arguably scaring my grandma. And, oh, wow. And dropping that thing off the mantle. But aside from that, I remember no instances of any kind of something to be afraid of. Well, just to reiterate what you were saying, and, and my audience obviously knows this, but highly recommend never playing with a Ouija board. Well, you're just asking uh, for trouble. You're just asking yeah. for trouble, and you can't, yeah. you can't mess with those things. You can't invite trouble. Yeah. Sense you you can't go looking for it. If it comes to you, I think we have the 
ability to deal with it. But if you're looking for it all the time, I think that's another thing. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how many people open doors and they, and they don't know the doors even there to be opened in the first place. Like you said, when you're inviting these things in, yeah, you're just, you're uh, there's it. plenty of stories out there of just crazy stuff happening because of that. But it reminds me of in the Bible, God says, don't speak with the dead. He doesn't say you can't speak with the dead. He doesn't say it's not possible to. He's like saying, don't, it's not good for you. <laughs> I think a lot of time Christians will be like, oh no, you can't, or that's all fake. And it's like, no, that, that stuff is real. And there's, you gotta, yeah. you gotta realize some of that's Protestantism. And there is a, there is probably some biblical reasons for believing that the saints, that there's some interaction between us and the saints that have gone before us. But that said, there's spiritual dimensions out there and they involve entities. Paul said it, powers and principalities in the higher places in heaven. Absolutely. You just don't, you've got to be discerning and careful. I remember once we had a Catholic girl. He was one of the best kids and she was an employee for us in a business we owned once. And we argued all the time because I was staunchly Protestant and she was staunchly Catholic. I said, well, I wish I could talk to Paul because there's some things I don't understand. <laughs> and she said to me, well, you just ask me and I'll talk to him. Oh, no. Got, oh, no. She got kind of put in my place. But um, so I think oh, there wow. probably is a place to be inspired and get inspiration. And, and it does say that the cloud of witnesses, they're cheering people on and they're cheering, you know, they're wow. praying for the redemption of the entire planet and the entire universe. So anyway, I, I, I don't want to overdo it, t- possibly having your grandmother talk to you from the grave. It might not be demonic, so okay? But there could be times <laughs> when stuff like that is. So you just have to be discerning, in, in, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. You know, it reminds me, and I'm just going to say this based on the scriptures we were talking about a few minutes ago, but the Apostle Paul says, I wish the saints knew the length the depth, the breadth, and the height. There's just so much more going on. The veil's thinning, Tim. The veil is thinning. So you got, you know, non-believers, you got atheists, you got Christians, you got all these different groups of people, whoever they are, they're all starting to really realize there's so much more to the picture here. I I think it's amazing that he uses three-dimensional reality. Yeah. When he uses that scripture or the height, the depth, and the width. Okay. And that's three dimensional reality. But the dimension, uh, there, it's very likely that we're living in a multi dimensional reality, many, many more than four. The, the fourth one is time. And well, no one even he, He's using that. four there. He says length, a lot depth, length, breadth, and height. And height. Those, four. those are, yeah, but those are. Length and width and height and depth. Depth is part of the three. But the idea is he's using three dim- the, our understanding of three-dimensional reality when he says that. And they mm-hmm. didn't understand the dimension of time back then because the fourth mm-hmm. dimension is time. There's really multiple dimensions that are, if you, if, if you can, you know, if you uh, trust some of the quantum physics that we're learning, there's probably... Some guess as many as 11. Nachmanides back in, I think it was like the 12th century, studied the book of Genesis and came to the reality that we lived in 10 dimensions. I think he was like, he was killed for it back then. Now modern science is like, oh, we live in um, 11 dimensions. This is another real interesting thing. I didn't even plan on going this direction, but sometimes these are the best conversations. Yeah, it's so cool to think about this, but. Anyway, yes, the best conversation is really when it's not really planned. I mean, we're not far off track, but when the Apostle Paul talks about he knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, he did not know who went up to what the second or third heaven. Yeah. I mean, come on. I love when the smoking guns are all over the word of God about this. People actually have good questions. I mean, I'm coming across more people on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that actually have good, like detailed questions about how does this stuff operate? Five years ago, they used to make fun of you for, you know, for being a Christian or believing in, you know, any of this strange stuff. I think that Paul's story, that story, Paul was, I think Paul had a a near-death experience. Have you ever heard of near-death experiences? Yeah, I had one at 19 years old. 
Well, he, I, if you read, he died. He was stoned to death. Yeah. And they knew when they killed him. They were, they were professional stoners. Yeah, you're right. They knew, and and he, and then <sighs> wow. he, then he rose from the dead, and he he was healed even after he'd been killed with a bunch of rocks hitting them. I mean, they break your bones, they break your legs, they 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 bruise you, and he walked back into town. He had a near death experience, and it, his description of that is what he's describing. That's my opinion. That, that's an interesting take. I see. I never really thought of it like that. I've personally, I've talked about this on the, on the show, quite, on and off, just little snippets here and there. But I had a near death encounter, like nineteen or twenty years old. I got jumped by a handful of guys, and I mean, uh-huh. not just like a black eye. They, they stomped me into the ground. These guys were trying to kill me, wow. and uh, I started sitting up out of my body. I'll never say I died, well, yeah, because I don't believe I died, but. As the me, <laughs> this is so hard to explain, no, but ahead. it was me coming out of me. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. like my, my physical body's still here, but the thing from like your forehead all the way down to your, your solar plexus or your gut that makes you, you, you can cut off your arm. Your arm's going to rot in the ground and you're still you, right? <laughs> you didn't lose any personality because you're losing a limb, but it is so strange. You know, my brain swelled up and was tapping the inside of my skull. I started sitting up out of my body. It felt strangely, almost like slight pressure all around, kind of like if you're in water, you know, like the atmosphere is different. It felt similar like that, but it was very dark. It was eerie. It was, it was strange. It was not, not, I mean, obviously I'm not saved at the time. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't even know to really call in the name of God. Like, I mean, I knew of God, we were like Easter Christmas Christians, but I'm not, I'm not going to stand on my soapbox with this, this story. The audience has heard it plenty of times, but yeah, I had a near death encounter and that's what launched me into, you know, my whole journey of what I'm doing today. So Red, I've listened to so many near death experience accounts because I had an experience. Please tell me. I didn't have a near death experience, although I probably would have eventually died. I, I had an addiction issue, an alcohol issue. And I had a, and I had been a, a Christian in the past, uh, and then I started having these problems as uh, um, as an older adult, and it just it got out of control, and had another spiritual experience in that recovery that really was life changing and it completely set me free from the cravings and the can you tell us yeah i can tell you all about it well i resisted for a long time the fact that you could drink you couldn't just drink moderately and that it was completely under your control and to say you're powerless over that which is what the 12 steps teaches is to say that you can't just do the right thing you're a victim and i resisted that victimization and because I thought I had to, to be uh, able to conduct my to, through a disciplined self-disciplined life be able to to stop this and that didn't work I kept doing stupid things that you just wouldn't do if you were <laughs> sane uh, and the drinking compulsion and craving got worse and worse and worse and I kept saying, I just have to be more responsible and I have to stop doing it. But I would keep doing the things that I was ashamed of, like Paul said. And uh, I finally came to a place where uh, I went to a conference and some people gave me a book. And I went back to the room and started reading the book. And these different sections of the book were underlined by people who who um, were trying to encourage people to stop drinking and to uh, follow the program. So I um, was reading these passages, and they were passages out of a book that uh, were were written by, by someone 50 years ago and by people who didn't even know me, but they, they were underlying passages that directly spoke to me. And I thought because of all the things I had done that I had disappointed God so much that he did not want 
<laughs> he he wasn't going to help me. If it was up to anything to get recovered from alcohol, I was just going to have to do figure it out. I always heard that that there's a miracle out there. If you will just let go and let God and admit you're powerless, you'll have a miracle. And that's what I did. I said, you know what? You must still love me to be able to doing that, to be doing this, and showing me this. And I right right there just let go and said, I admit that I'm powerless over this drug. I can't control it. From that minute on, I have not had a drink. And that was five and a half years ago. And then wow. I learned and grown through the other steps. Most of my recovery has been reconciling my first spiritual experience with my second, because they were both legitimate. What was the first? It was a born-again experience in a church in college, evangelical, charismatic church. And actually, and it's so funny, because God told me, don't drink. He told me to stop drinking. And I said, okay. So I stopped. I thought, I don't know why. I didn't know anything about alcoholism. Now I know why. Alcoholism is a disease. It runs in many families. It's genetic. And you can't control it. Some people and various people have various levels of control. But a real alcoholic, if you drink, you are going to have trouble at some level controlling that. And some people, it goes to dying or going insane. I said, I don't know why, but I'm going to stop. So I stopped. I didn't drink for 15 years. I figured, well, I'm an adult now, and I've learned to moderate myself. I can drink with moderation. It started off being a glass of wine, and then it became two, and pretty soon I was polishing off the whole bottle and going through multiple bottles. Um, and it just kept getting worse until I changed to harder alcohol because there was less calories. <laughs> oh, and it's just your ability to consume it continues to rise. And it just becomes more and more of a craving, more and more of a craziness and a drive and compulsion to do, to fulfill. It's you, uh, the, the restlessness in your heart and a fear and tension and just yeah. get me out of here. I can't take this anymore, but you have one drink and oh man, you start, you start getting <sighs> That's that. crazy. You know, and that happens to a lot yeah. of people. Okay. So yes. this helped expose me because I couldn't do, I wasn't enough to fix this. I couldn't follow enough laws. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I needed to be changed. Uh, I needed wow. to have some kind of experience. And that required me to say, I can't do it. It's out of my control. You That's know? so powerful. And if people are in addiction of, of any kind, it's likely that you can't beat it yourself, that you need help from, from God. I know it's God. Yeah. Some people say high power. That's fine if you want to say it's God. And God, we need God. And there are some yes. things we're not ever going to be able to do. We just have to let go of them and trust God and move away. If you tried to explain what water was to a fish, they, they would think you're crazy. Because they just, they don't know what, what water is. They just live in it. Yeah. And I think we live in God the same way. We live and breathe and have our being. We live and move and have our being in God. Just like a yeah. fish lives and breathes and has their being in water. And when I started seeing God as surrounding me and him being my brother and being my father and being my uh the presence of him being supernatural and unlimited and and full and complete and everywhere started feeling that I was always in God and that I was all that's when I started developing the understanding of consciously focused on that presence that all came to me through the recovery from alcoholism to me the the the, the tendency to, to decorate egos instead of getting rid of them. Dr. Laura was on, uh -huh. she's been on quite a few times, but we've released an episode recently and there's this climax during the episode for me personally, where she talks about how David emptied himself before God. That's right. 
I've heard people use the term ego death, right? Like I had an ego death. I've, I've heard that term used and there's something, it's so peculiar because until it happens to you or maybe you're in process or it's, it's coming down the pipeline for some of us listeners um, to this episode, or maybe we've already experienced it. But if we've ever come to that place and we acknowledge who God is for what he says of himself, but what he says in the word, the great I am, he's omnipotent, he's omnipotent, he's the beginning and the end, right? Like everywhere. He, he, he's spirit. <laughs> Those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth, right? If we come to that kind of conclusion in life, because, hey, the whole world is built to keep you from coming to that conclusion, right? Oh, entertainment, go, 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 right? Make as much money as you can, right? The, the society wants to harness a plow to your back and make you produce, right? and keep us distracted. Yeah. So I hear you talking about tuning in your focus and then sh you sharing this powerful testimony. Letting go and letting go. Whew. Because wow. I'm telling you that I think the fall of wow. man took place when they said, when man said, we got this. Yeah. We don't need, you don't, I know you say, yeah, stay over there. We got this. Thanks for the planet. And we don't got this. But and no. and I and and oftentimes even the born again message they'll say, get born again. I was like, as though praying a prayer is going to change your whole future. Uh, but then the born again is really reverencing, trusting God like a child trusts God, like an egoless egoless child trusts God, and be dependent on Him. Letting go and trusting him to guide and live your life through him. That is different than just saying a prayer. There's so much truth and power to what you're saying. And this is when I know this was meant to be talked about. It is. On this episode. This is the first time we've ever talked. I'm connecting with what you're saying. There's power in our testimonies. Your testimony is powerful. And then you're giving God all the praise and glory for it. So oh, good. like moments like this, this is why I love it. That's just well, amazing. I, I love this stuff. I love revelation and power that comes from really knowing your place in God, his all-encompassing existence and presence in the world. So everywhere. In fact, I was thinking the other day, I've always been disappointed because I can't go to another galaxy and another planet. And, and I was looking at a tree and I thought, the same God that created that other planet and made that other galaxy is in that tree. He created that tree. The power is holding that tree together just like it's holding me together. And if I can experience that tree, I'm already experiencing the same power created the other things on other planets. So why should I be disappointed that I can't go there? I can always experience the power. I don't know if that means wow. anything to you, but I loved it. Dude, immediately I was getting hit with the, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, right? When the kids go through the wardrobe. Uh -huh. And it's like, there's this reality that's right here. We have access to it. The, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's like... <laughs> you can know that God has created the reality. Yeah, it's beyond our wildest imagination. Mm -hmm. He is beyond our wildest imagination. Man, I'm loving this conversation. And I, that's what it reminded me of when you're talking about, you know, I'm looking at this tree. If, and see, I believe repentance it also means a change of mind. Yeah. Like like we change well, our it, minds. It has about to be things. a change of, of dependence. Because you can change and then your God, mind and still think, oh, man, I'm look what God's done to me. Man, I'm all this. You're nothing. You are yeah. everything and nothing at the same time. <laughs> it's so interesting. You are so important because you were created in the image of God. You are a divine creation. Yeah. And you wow. are without that same God, without being in that divinity that created you, you are not you are you're like a drop of water on a dry rock. And we are caught up in his story. This is like you this is his story. Right. This is his creation. Right. He had us in mind. And, and that's the kind of revelation that can change generations. The reality, we, when we're adjusting the way, who we are, 
what is really going on in accordance with what God has already did and what his plans are moving forward. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to see. You came up with the name Tomato Fields for yeah. the book. Epic. Uh-huh. I told my wife and she's like, what? Tomato Fields? Like she thought she didn't understand what was happening because we're big into gardening. So she thought maybe I was like interviewing somebody, you know, like this gardening channel or something. I'm like, no, no, no. And I explained to her, she's like, oh, that's really cool. You felt confident about that name. Uh-huh. Was there a moment where you're like, that's it. This is the name I'm no, choosing this, for the book. This book has had one thing after another where I just felt like that's what I should do. And there, and or someone would come and help me out of nowhere. And I couldn't have done it without them. Uh, just here and there. And then, so in this case, my brother saw the Bigfoot. He was out working on his car and he smelled something funny. And mm-hmm. uh, he was living in Mason County, Washington, just above the Hood Canal. And he was there on the weekends. He just bought the property and he worked in Seattle. So he was there on the weekends. It was in the 90s. And he was working on the back of his trailer at dusk. And he smelled something really bad. And he started looking around. And about 70 yards up the hill on the wood line by one of the big light poles, there was no houses at that time. It was all, it was all rural area and forest. This thing walked out and stood by the pole and saw him and they saw each other and Joe just freaked. It was eight, it was probably nine, eight and a half, nine feet tall and just really wide and dark colored, like dark brown or black. And it started screaming at him. It was pissed off. I think it was going to get water and Joe got in the way. And it screamed at him. You know how they scream where it starts high and then turns into a roar and it's just penetrates you. He it happened to him. And he ran for his house, which was right there. He was close to it because of the driveway. And he grabbed his shotgun and closed the door and looked out a little window uh, by the door. And he, he saw it stop screaming. And then he thought it was coming after him. He, he thought he was done. And it turned around and walked back into the woods. And that was the only time he ever saw it. And he thinks he heard it. And the whole idea about tomato fields was that just up above, beyond that, uh, a little higher up the hill and then down, there's this area that they used to dump sewage in. And they dumped sewage, they just dumped the sewage out and and, uh, instead of putting it through sewage uh, treatment plants. Back then, they just dumped it on the ground. And, And I wrote this in the 70s. I used the 70s as the starting place for the book. And they dumped sewage. So the sewage had human waste and human waste has seeds from vegetables. And because of that, a lot of vegetables grew and there was a lot of of tomatoes. So Joe just thought, well, we could call it tomato fields. And Joe thinks that thing was headed in the direction of what we call the tomato fields. He thought that was a catchy title. I thought it was a catchy title. When I got closer to publishing the book, I I tested it with some people, and every I just got good results from that title, so I kept it. And uh, I get people who like it really like it, and so I'm just hoping there's a lot of them. And uh, wow! And the whole idea, the connection between the recovery from alcoholism and the book is, I started this ten years ago, but I never could do it because I was struggling with this addiction. And I could focus, but I couldn't focus enough. to. But once I recovered from this, I felt like I needed to finish this because I put my hand to it. Now I need to finish it as part of my recovery to prove I cannot just start something, I can finish something. And so in a way, it's a testimony to my recovery. So it's a multiple. There's a lot of things going on that brought all this together for what that's worth. But um, there's a lot involved and it's not a perfect book. And I've made I've had I still have to do a little bit of editing. Can I tell you a story about my editor? Yes, please. She quit like 27 <laughs> chapters in because she got mad because 
my characters were using gun un- unsafely and oh, and i uh so i had to do a lot of the editing at the end tour yeah. by myself in order to meet deadlines and so there's still a few little editing things that i'm cleaning up and so it's not a perfect book but i think people wow. like it generally they like it yeah and uh that will be cleaned up here shortly as far as a part two goes, do you have something yeah, mapped out? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. Not, it's not outlined <laughs> yet. It's just percolating right now. Yeah. But I'm going to start so writing cool. it probably in the fall. It's a sequel. I want it to be a sequel. I'm going to do another one on recovery that I'm also working on. So that'll be different. More like, you know, we've covered both of them. <laughs> It'll be yeah. slightly different. I love how this episode, it's just your first time here. I feel like you just laid so much out for us and you're just, you're humble. You're just unashamed. You're like, listen, God's got the power. This is the journey. I just, these are my favorite kind of stories. Cause I really feel like I'm just connecting with you. Good. And uh, we never understand the ripple effect. That's one of my big things I talk about. We don't understand the ripple effect. Like God sees it and he knows to us, it just may be, oh, we had this conversation. Oh, I was on this podcast, but there could be somebody out there. Who knows? Oh, absolutely. Who hears this interview and it sparks them to change their life. That's and then the domino effect from there. And I think that's that's a, a wonderful mystery just to consider. I ponder on that a lot of the times. Now, Go ahead. you're getting good reviews on the book. I think on Amazon, you're at, I'd like to say, close to 70 70 plus reviews at this point in time. Are you getting like feedback from, from any of the readers on your social media site yeah. or do you have like a hub where people reach out to you? Like your own no, website, I for example, a, I have a, most of the time I've had two or three people comment on, on Instagram. Um, I've had people comment on Facebook. I've had friends and people I don't know just call from out of the blue and I had one just yesterday who has a podcast and wants me to be on his podcast, but he started telling me about the book. He's an English major and he just likes it so much. And he likes what it's telling us about Bigfoot and he thinks it's going to contribute a lot. So things like that, I could never make, I could never make those things happen. They just are kind of spontaneously happening to me. So I hope that keeps happening. Well, I think you, you got the right mentality for, for all this to keep happening. And God says, if we humble ourselves, you know, He'll exalt us in due time, and just that's so cool. And humble ourselves is letting go and not taking ourselves so seriously when we need it, and not trying that's to be deep. perfect because none of us are perfect. I'm on that journey where it's just like not just not trying to take myself too seriously. Like I got interviewed for the first time, like truly interviewed. I've been on other shows, I've been on other radio programs and stuff, but I had um the guys over at Days of Noah podcast reach out a month or so ago and they wanted to do just an exclusive interview on my testimony and i'm like i'm thinking about it i'm like i've never told my testimony like i've told snippets just in reciprocating people on the podcast or just things that come to mind or really feel like if i tell this person this snippet they're gonna have a good response for me or maybe a rebuke or maybe they're gonna you know just something you know we kind of give these little pieces of of ourselves we don't want to set our our gems in front of swine, right? We want to set them in front of people that we feel like are going to give back value or, or see it somehow to help us p- possibly make sense of it. But that was, that was interesting for me. And the, the more I go about this and just learning really the, the idea of this show, Tim is I'm capturing the growth journey personally while promoting all, all these other people that I find something like powerful or beautiful in their story. So I'm just kind of capturing how I'm growing and learning the information I'm hearing, my reactions, you name it. And then at the same time, just making friends, just, <laughs> just documenting the process, you know, well, and you're that. saying I stuff here tonight of your podcast. That's yeah. The that's coolest, <laughs> coolest name. You know, man, that's a funny one because I had a podcast before this, not of this world. Mm-hmm. And I remember when God gave me the millennial mustard seed. It's a mouthful, man. People have trouble saying it. I'm like, in the beginning, I'm laughing. I'm like, God, I don't, I want to name it something else, you know? And he's just, I just was feeling this gut pulling, just 
absolutely not. Don't even consider it, kid. Almost like, you know, some like like stern old man is over my shoulder, just like, eh, eh, don't erase that off the paper. That's just a feeling I got. It was so strange. But like, I also knew God had a sense of humor and I just went with it. And um, it's funny now, it kind of fits in in this weird, it's a very niche audience. I'm a small fry. I don't have a huge audience. Some of these guys out there, they're getting hundreds of thousands of downloads. I just, I'm like, listen, a, a small niche audience who believes in God, who's willing to journey with me is more important than just the masses. You know, that, that was my, what God kept me in that reality check. So yeah. well, you, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just always encouraging hearing, hearing all these, these awesome stories, but Tim, I really want to have you back in the future. I feel like I've talked a little too much on this episode personally, but I connected with you. It was a lot of fun and I'm happy to come back whenever you want me to. Okay. I'll keep you posted on what's going on. Let the people know where they can find you, Tim. I will send you everything to put in the end notes. Okay. Okay. And uh, the, I'm on Instagram and it's just real simple tomato under underscore fields. Uh, and uh, you can get me on Instagram right there. You can get me on Twitter. It's a little different. It's uh, at TS Moon 10. At TS Moon 10. And my email is easy. It's uh, Tim S as in Sam Moon, all one word, at Gmail. And it's moon just like the moon in the sky. Awesome. Can I say one thing? Absolutely. Or, yeah. If if uh, someone's listening who's having issues with addiction and they just feel like they're uh, they just they have no hope. There's no way out. There's a way out, and you do have hope. And uh, you're welcome to contact me, and I'll be glad to share my <clears throat> experience with you and help you any way I can. Okay. So anyway, I hope that that might um, benefit somebody. That might be the whole purpose of this episode right here, Tim. Maybe. May not be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also, if you like Bigfoot, good. I like Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just have this passion uh, for these mysterious creatures. I love mysteries. History, philosophy, just there's so many topics I feel like I could just dive into into with you down the road, man. Yeah, it'd be fun. And and I'll, and I'll have to tell you next time we talk, just to kind of plant the seed on this, I grew up in an old historic, it was a famous Philadelphia farmhouse where Peter Rothermel painted the depiction of the Battle of Gettysburg in the house I grew up in. Well, that's awesome. I love Civil War history. It was definitely a haunted house. <laughs> There's some interesting history there. So I'd like to just even off air, just share some stories with you sometime. Oh, I'd love to. I just, I just can't get enough of that stuff. So, dude, I got some stories. So, <laughs> Ooh, I got quite a few of them. Yeah, I got quite a few of it's them. Awesome. So, it was honestly an honor to have you here on this episode with me. Thank you. Any last words before we wind down? Thank you for the show, and thank you for listening. If you're listening, and appreciate your your time. I know it's valuable, and and I'm thankful I could be a small part of it keep looking for mysterious creatures in the woods also be careful in the woods very well said and you guys just remember emptying ourselves can be exactly what's necessary in order for us to grow and get that answer that we've been looking for share this episode with your friends your family members share it with your pastor coming to you from southeastern pennsylvania goodbye that yonder in the distance with his garment white as snow with a voice that sounds like thunder walking on the street of gold his like lightning setting high upon his throne has ten thousand times ten thousand
then say we finally made it home. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Praise the Lamb forevermore. Praise the holy name of Jesus. Bless the Lord. city there's a river flowing from God's holy throne where the tree of life is blooming where the head has not been pulled no more tears in that bright city Death will have to flee away. No more sickness, no more heartaches in that land, a perfect day. Glory, glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. table in that country seated with the saints of old with their troubles far behind them to never suffer anymore I'm going home in the to that land so bright and fair To walk the streets of gold with Jesus In that city built for square Glory, glory, hallelujah Praise the Lord Thank you for tuning into the Millennial Mustard Seed, my favorite podcast. My favorite podcast. My favorite podcast. My favorite.